from the heart of our nation's capital. Here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good evening to you. Happy Wednesday. I hope you're doing well. And welcome to Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior advisor to the president here at the Family Research Council, and extremely honored to be filling in this evening for Tony, and also extremely grateful to have you on board with us this evening. We've got a tremendous lineup for you. Let me go ahead and give some of the headlines that we're going to be covering. Uh, the debt ceiling negotiations, well, yet again, they have stalled out. I'm sending our negotiation team down to the White House to, to try to finish out the negotiations with the White House. There's a number of places that we are still far apart. That was House Speaker Kevin McCarthy earlier this afternoon. Epoch Times political reporter Lawrence Wilson will update us on the latest news as the Treasury Secretary says early June that deadline is quickly approaching. We'll also be joined by Dr. Dave Bratt, who is a former member of Congress, who now serves as the Dean of the School of Business at Liberty University. He'll be breaking down what a potential default would mean for working American families. Also, this debt ceiling negotiation is playing out, frankly, unlike anything I've ever seen from Republicans in Congress. They literally have the chance to accomplish something historical by reversing out-of-control federal spending. Now, this could be a milestone for all of us. I'll be talking with North Carolina Congressman Greg Murphy about that a little further in the program as well. And then there was a shocking incident in New York City this week when a college professor literally pulled out a machete on a New York Post reporter. This was after she had already berated a group of students who were simply uh, putting up a table in support of life. I think she was mostly offended by our general presence on campus. Um, our tabling um, was mainly about chemical abortions and the harms of chemical abortions for mothers and for the children involved. Um, but I don't know if she looked at our supplies before she came and uh, started to berate us. Well, that was one of the students recounting the entire incident. Uh, and unfortunately, this is fitting a pattern of behavior from far too many who are in higher education. Caleb Dalton from Alliance Defending Freedom will be joining me to discuss that. And then Target continues to face fire for their LGBT-themed children's clothing and over-the-top pride displays. But now they've angered the left for moving the displays. Some moving them to the back of the store, other targets moving them out of the store, and the left is upset. I'll be talking with Walker Wildman from the American Family Association about what's happening with Target. And then the World Health Organization's annual assembly continues to take place in Geneva this week. And more and more Americans are waking up to the threat that uh, they're attempting to take on our national security. The effort is building to stop this train wreck. And Jim Roguski, a member of the Law and Activism Committee at the World Council for Health, joins me to discuss the latest from the assembly in Geneva. So we've got a tremendous program lined up for you. And just a reminder, our website is TonyPerkins.com, where you can catch not only this episode, if you miss any of it, but also previous episodes are archived there for you as well, TonyPerkins.com. All right, though the debt ceiling talks have stalled out in Washington, Republicans in Congress remain united 
behind Speaker Kevin McCarthy and the bill that the House passed, the Limit, Save, and Grow Act. But the left is continuing to grumble at the White House, and this is turning into quite a stalemate at this point. The debt ceiling is hit to, uh, to take effect early next month. And so what can we expect in coming days? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Epoch Times political reporter Lawrence Wilson. Lawrence, welcome to Washington Watch. We appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, listen, what's the latest that you're hearing right now? Where do these talks on the debt ceiling, where are they right now? Well, right now, they're pretty much at a standstill, or at least they were as of about noon today when Speaker McCarthy gave a press conference, and he expressed a lot of frustration uh, that Biden and the Democratic negotiators were not willing to budge on really what I think has come down to be the central point here is a reduction in federal discretionary spending in 2024. Uh, McCarthy is frustrated, saying they won't give even a dollar, they won't even look to save $1 over 2023 spending in the 2024 fiscal year. And of the many things that are on the table, that seems to be the one that is the real sticking point on both sides. Yeah, and that's huge. I was watching the press conference myself, and uh, when he made that comment that they're not willing to budge even on $1 less spending, I mean, that's pretty insane. I think everyone in America understands that spending went up during the pandemic. All Republicans are trying to do is say, let's go back to the spending levels before the pandemic took place and not even to be willing to budge a dollar. What do you think is behind the Democrats digging in so much? Well, I think they're trying to do a couple of things. One is that they really want to protect what they see as the uh, president's um, signature accomplishments through the Inflation Reduction Act, the uh, Infrastructure uh, Investment and Jobs Act, uh, the Chips and Science Act, and uh, one of the the provisions, some of the provisions in the uh, Limit Save Grow Act would repeal a little bit of that, take back some of that money. So they want to avoid that. The other is that they're afraid that by reducing spending from the 23 level back to the 22 level, that uh, Defense is going to stay the same, maybe increase, other things will increase. And then the social service programs that they say many Americans rely on are where the cuts are going to have to come. And they really don't want to see that. The Democrats have called that uh, unreasonable and a non-starter, just unacceptable. Wow. Yeah, this is going to be fascinating to see where it goes, uh, because it it really has a potentially uh, dangerous prospect for our country and really the world uh, as as the dollar is at stake here. But there are reports that uh, some, uh, particularly left-leaning, the the uh, most radical left-leaning members of the Democratic Party are, are boxing the White House in from them really being able to be effective with negotiations. Do you see that as the case? Well, there's one real sticking point that Uh, many uh, Democrats in the House are just not willing to budge on, and that is that uh, Republicans have proposed slightly increasing some of the work requirements for recipients of Medicaid and uh, SNAP benefits, nutrition benefits. And Democrats don't want to see any changes there at all. What Republicans are proposing is to increase uh, the age range for that by about five years for 
people who are able-bodied and not parents, that is not caring for children at home. And uh, Democrats say that's just too much. They don't want to see anybody thrown off of uh, SNAP benefits or, or any other restrictions applied to those two programs. That's the one that seems to be a real sticking point besides the overall spending limit. All right, real quickly, I've got another guest I want to jump over to. How do you see this playing out? What's going to happen between now and June? Well, I think both sides are going to continue to to play chicken until somebody breaks because they both agree there will be no default. No one wants that. I think we're going to see more posturing and more posturing until somebody blinks, and then we'll have some sort of deal. The question is, will it pass both the House and the Senate, whatever the two leaders come up with? Lawrence Wilson, Epoch Times, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch this evening. We appreciate it a great deal. You're very welcome. All right. The uh, Republican effort to rein in this out-of-control spending from Washington is spot on as far as being on target with principle. But it's also spot on as it relates to what we all are going to leave our children and our grandchildren as it relates to national debt and the consequences of that. But what would a debt ceiling default mean to average working Americans right now? Well, joining me to discuss this is Dr. Dave Bratt. He is a former member of Congress that I had the honor to serve with. He's now the Dean of the School of Business at Liberty University. Dr. Bratt, welcome back to Washington Watch. Reverend Congressman Heiss, great to be on with you, brother. Well, it's great to see you. You're looking great as always. All right, listen, we've got a couple of minutes, and if I could, I'd love for you, if you would, to just hold over in our next break uh, because we're running short on time. But break this down in simple terms. Average working Americans, what, what is to be expected if we have a default? Yeah, well, I'll get into it in the longer segment. There's, it's impossible to default. We have way more money. Uh, a default means you default on the Treasury bond, on the U.S. Treasury bond. If we ever defaulted on the U.S. Treasury, we'd all be fishing under a bridge with Frodo. It would be the end of Western civilization. So that's not even in play. The, the left and, and uh, Janet Yellen, uh, the, the Treasury Secretary, is playing word games here. What she's talking about is paying all the bills uh, for all Democratic spending. That may not happen, and that's not a big deal. You just prioritize your spending in order, uh, but we have plenty of money to pay off any interest on the debt in Treasuries. And so uh, the American uh, Treasury holder doesn't need to be worried about that. And so the, the, the big two things you'll never hear from the mainstream media is the Republicans passed a bill. And so people on the left in the House are squabbling. Uh, sorry, the House passed a bill. And then Treasury uh, Secretary Yellen says con- she sent her memos to Congress. Again, misleading language. She's aiming at the House. The Senate hasn't done its homework. They have no numbers. They have no receipts. Uh, they don't have a budget plan. And so uh, all the leverage is on the Republican side right now. And I'm, these views are just my own, but I, I think they're correct. I think you, you've been there and you know how it works, too. We finally have all the leverage because the Democrats want to do the spending, and we got a debt ceiling increase on our side to work with. And so the other, second piece you'll never hear in the mainstream media is the baseline argument here, and this is CBO numbers, right, Congressional Budget Office, $50 trillion in debt in this budget cycle. In the 10-year window, we'll have $50 trillion in debt to hand off to the kids in 10 years. The interest rate now is 5%. 
5% interest rates on $50 trillion is $2.5 trillion a year just in interest payments. You don't get anything for that. That's three right. times the military budget right now, which is $800 billion or verging on a trillion, right? right? So just the interest payments. So this makes, when we were back in, I mean, we were only dealing with trillion-dollar deficits. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of joking, yeah. right? But now the, there are $2 trillion deficits for the next 10 years around the necks of the kids. Everybody knows this is split, but the mainstream press will not cover any of this. So uh, the Republicans just need to hold strong, and they have the moral high ground for a change. Just tell the American people the basic facts, and you win in 30 seconds. Well, and that's happening. And I, I'm, I'm, I don't know that I've ever seen a time where the Republicans appear, at least. And I think it's uh, yeah. in reality they're unified yes. right now. And they, like you said, they've got all the leverage to yes. accomplish what needs to. Happen. And this could be historic. And I yes. do want to come back and talk more about this because literally in the hands of the Republicans right now is the tool to roll back out of control federal right. spending. Right. Uh, we've got about 15 seconds before we take off, but uh, and we'll be back after the break. But do you see this moving? Uh, you think the Republicans are going to hold together? Yeah, if they do not, they will cease to be a party, right? You and I have been with this. We're holding five aces, right? We got four aces and a wild card. I mean, it's all you could ever hope for. Well, it's encouraging to see what's going to happen. Dave, yep. Brad, thank you for joining us. Stay tuned. Hold on with us after the break. We'll come right. back. All right. Thank you. All right, friends. Thank you so much for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. A lot to unpack, a lot more to bring your way, and we'll do so on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipled their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. 
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. We appreciate you tuning in and being a part of our program this evening as we're keeping you informed as to what's happening in our country and beyond from a Christian worldview perspective. Uh, We have joining us right now Dr. Dave Brandt, former member of Congress and now the uh, dean at Liberty University of the School of Business there. Uh, Dr. Brandt, again, thank you for joining us and for staying over on the break. You bet. Thank you, Jody. And everybody out there, listen, you got a, you got one of the best moral leaders in front of you for this show. Uh, Jody Heist, just a friend to all of us up there in Congress. Uh, there was no question about his integrity uh, and uh, was just a great leader up there. So uh, thanks for well, having me on, Jody. Well, thank you very much. And uh, your check's in the mail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, you, you earned it, buddy. Uh, now, listen, uh, and I will say this, but uh, during the break, we get, re- actually received word that uh, Congressman Greg Murphy is not going to be able to join us. They're tied up in a voting series that he simply cannot get out of. So it, it really works out good, uh, Dr. Right. Bratt, uh, for you to hang in here. Let me go back to uh, my first question, and, and uh, your point well taken. The default is not the proper word. That's the word that is used but still, if we, we don't make a deal and the government yeah. shuts down whatever terminology we, we want to use yeah. here, that is going to have an economic impact on people's yeah. lives, will it not? And potentially uh, the global economy as well if Congress isn't able to come through. Yeah, and in my view, I have a Ph.D. in economics, and economics is about the study of information, and prices convey information. And so uh, if Congress defaults on the total spending, right, uh, we're $50 trillion in debt in 10 years. Russ Vogt, uh, who was the former head of OMB, came out with a budget that saved $17 trillion. That would keep us at $33 trillion, which is currently where we stand. Uh, that didn't uh, have enough traction. So now our friends, the Freedom Caucus, who are being called, you know, every nasty word there is, you know, MAGA, Republicans, uh, extremists, they want to trim $4 trillion off of the $50 trillion in debt. That Over still leaves years. us with $46 trillion in debt, right? So it's an easy case to make to the American people. And I told you just what the interest on the debt is. And so if we can't make our last stand on this one, we got no stand to make uh, because 
uh, it does matter. So financial markets, right? The the American consumer right now is in seventeen trillion dollars in debt. Consumers, uh, trillion dollars in credit card debt, uh, one and a half trillion in uh, college loan debt. We're in debt up to our eyeballs. We got a recession coming up. Another financial crisis caused by the Federal Reserve for their mismanagement, holding the interest rate at zero percent for a decade. Everybody knows you won't find a CEO that won't say we're not going to be in a recession coming up and that the Federal Reserve caused it. So now is the time to stand up. You're going to default right on the debt. The Federal Reserve is planning, you know, they're in a tough bind, but they basically want inflation so they can pay the debt back with cheaper dollars. Right. And so that's where we we're going to default on the total spending package, 50 trillion. You cannot do it. Yeah, there's no way, right? So it's either you do it now in the public view when we have the leverage or the Democrats are way better at messaging. You know that, right? They clobbered us every time. <laughs> they own the press. And so it's a hard, hard fight. So you better fight now while we got the leverage. Yeah, you know, it's um, we're talking numbers that are astronomical yes. that no one can yeah. can even imagine what, what we're talking about. Uh, listen, I just got word that Dr. Murphy is going to be able to join us by phone. Uh, so I, I've only got a couple minutes uh, left to, for him. But let me ask you, Dr. Pratt, your feelings, how is this going to end up? Or do you think they're going to reach a deal? Or uh, what, what do you anticipate happening real quickly? Well, uh, you know, you, you and I and the Freedom Caucus would agree uh, we should hold strong. We're only saving $4 trillion out of $50 trillion in debt. Our team... Uh, passed a bill. The Senate has not. Everything is on our side. Biden said, I'm not going to negotiate. I don't care. And thumbed his nose at the whole thing. So, and these views are just my own, uh, but we need to hold strong. It's time to take care of the American people and the kids. The liberals say they care about the kids. 50 trillion in debt uh, means otherwise. They do not care about the kids. Dr. Dave Bratt. Great to see you, my friend. Thank you for joining God, us on Washington Watch. God bless you, Watch. brother. You're great. Likewise. Keep it up. Thank you. All right, we're joined now by phone with uh, Congressman Greg Murphy. He's a member of the Ways and Means Committee, uh, and uh, he's uh, from North Carolina. Congressman Murphy, I know you're in the middle of a voting series. You've got plates spinning every direction imaginable. Thank you for taking a few moments to step off the floor and join us here on Washington Watch. Sure. Happy to do it, Tony. Hope you're doing well. All right. Listen, uh, we, we are, have been paying attention to all this that's happening with the negotiators. And uh, it's kind of she loves me. She loves me not. We have a deal. We don't have a deal. It's productive. It's not productive. But it appears to me that Speaker McCarthy, uh, he, he's not trying to sugarcoat where we are with this. He, he's remaining firm and he's letting the American people know that uh, we're far away on some key issues. What are you hearing? That's absolutely the same thing, Tony. I mean, you know, per your last caller, we are holding the line. Um, we are holding the line. We're no, uh, it, it would be an illusion to think we're going to get everything that we want. That's just not going to happen. The, the Biden administration will never agree to that. Um, I, I think it's the intent that this administration will buckle the understanding or the expectation because they are negotiating right now, despite Biden saying they would never negotiate. But we're still very, very far apart. And uh, if we remain so, um, sadly enough, um, there's some really, uh, really tough things to approach us. So um, uh, we'll see what happens, Jody. We'll see what happens. 
Yeah, we will. Uh, and this is uh, it's incredible. But I tell you, I'm so proud of you, the, the Republican Speaker McCarthy, unified, holding the line. You have the capacity now to reverse out-of-control spending. Is it your sense that the Republicans are going to stand firm? I do. I do think so, Jody. I really do. Um, but the but we have to define standing firm. Um, you know, there's CNN poll, of all things. Did a, we only did have about a, 15 uh, seconds. It said, it said 15% wanted to default. Well, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to default. I want there to be a compromise. We're going to raise the debt ceiling, but we're going to have to do it with some limitations in spending. Congressman Greg Murphy, thank you so much for joining us. I know you've got a lot going on. Get back on the floor and vote. Thank you for standing firm, and thank you for joining us on Washington Watch this evening. All right, buddy. Thank you. Good to talk to you, Jody. Likewise. All right, friends, much, much more to cover. You don't want to miss a thing. On the other side of this break, we're going to jump into an amazing event at a college. Stay tuned. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. to this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, Senior Advisor to the President here of the Family Research Council. Welcome aboard. All right, uh, some of you, I'm sure, no doubt, have seen some of this, read about it, but earlier this month, a professor at Hunter College, Shalene Rodriguez, was caught literally on camera spewing an expletive-filled tirade against some pro-life students who were Uh, who just had a display. They were students for life. Uh, If if we could, let's play clip number three. I think she was mostly offended by our general presence on campus. Um, Our tabling um, 
was mainly about chemical abortions and the harms of chemical abortions for mothers and for the children involved. Um, but I don't know if she looked at our supplies before she came and uh, started to berate us. All right, we played that clip a little bit earlier. I wanted you to see it again because here, here, that was one of the students that was actually at the table, the display, and this, this professor comes and just throws everything off the table in an expletive-filled tirade, as I referenced it a while ago. And then uh, a couple of days later, she was confronted by a New York Post reporter who was asking about the incident. And during the conversation with the reporter, Professor Rodriguez literally wielded a machete at the reporter's neck. Yes, friends, you heard that right. She came out of her apartment with a machete, held it to the neck of the reporter, threatening to chop him up if he didn't, again, with many expletives, leave the place. So hours later, uh, Hunter College did fire this professor, rightfully so. But is this what our colleges are turning into? Is this what we should expect from uh, the likes of conservative students on campus being treated like this? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Caleb Dalton. He is a senior counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom Center for Academic Freedom. Caleb, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you. Jody, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Well, it's uh, our honor indeed. All right, let's just kind of clarify for the audience here. The students were tabling uh, their chapter of Students for Life. They had every right to do so on this college campus before this professor at the school comes and literally loses it on them. But they had the right to be there, correct? Absolutely. Students are, are, have the right to participate in the marketplace of ideas at public universities. And in fact, that's what universities should be about. It's what professors should be promoting, dialogue about ideas, important ideas that our whole, whole society is considering right now. This professor went way beyond that. She didn't want to just engage in dialogue. She tried to shut these students down by throwing their literature across their table, engaging in this expletive-filled tirade against them. That's not free speech. That's censorship. That's actually assault and, and damaging somebody else's property there. And then obviously you saw just how unhinged this particular professor is when she assaulted that reporter with a machete. That's just insane. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of students like Patrick with Students for Life there at Hunter College are facing this type of hostility when they speak out and just try to present an alternative view on these leftist campuses. Well, and that's the point that I want to deal with and drive uh, home, and I appreciate you uh, going there. The First Amendment at one time was revered in our college universities and by uh, to college students. Uh and yet we are watching the exact opposite now in this era of cancel culture. What, what do we make of all of this? Some of it, you have to go back and look at ideology. What is driving this? And a lot of it goes back to a philosophy that is being taught on campus. And that philosophy is that speech that you don't like actually physically harms you. And because it physically harms you, it's acceptable to engage in violence to stop speech. 
that is a dangerous ideology to the to the furtherance of democracy and freedom in any society because free speech is a bedrock of every society that is to remain free it should be even more so on a university campus right so a lot of students are being taught this philosophy that it's okay to react violently against speech that you don't like we even saw this out in california a few years ago with another students for life group that we represented a professor came out and started, he first sent his class out to erase pro-life messages that the students had written on the sidewalk in chalk. They were allowed to do that as part of the free speech uh, program there on campus. And the professor not only sent his students out there, then he came himself and started erasing these messages and told the students, you don't understand, a college is not a free speech area. That's what he told the students. That's a dangerous philosophy to be prevalent on universities today because that's the opposite of the truth. Universities Absolutely. are to be the free marketplace of ideas. Absolutely, and it's a one—it's a one-sided issue all the way around. Had it been a bunch of uh, pro-abortionists out there, they would have been given every freedom in the world. It's just a specific type of message that uh, they are shutting down. Caleb, our time, unfortunately, is wrapping up here. Uh, where can our audience go uh, to reach out to the Center for Academic Freedom if they encounter something similar to this situation where professors are targeting students who may be pro-life or conservative? How can they uh, get some help and reach out to you? Absolutely. If you go to adflegal.org, that's Alliance Defending Freedom, but adflegal.org, and up on the top, there's a, a, a banner, a red button, get help, get legal help. Just click on that. Let us know about your situation. We're happy to look into it. Caleb Dalton, thank you so much for all the work that you and ADF do. We love you guys. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right, friends, don't go anywhere. We've got a lot more coming your way. You've been watching and hearing about Target in the news. Well, they've placed the Target on themselves. We'll get the latest on that right after the break. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first, just go to prayvotestand.org. Again, that's prayvotestand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. 
You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. It's an honor to be with you, and I hope you will be able to join us for that Pray, Vote, Stand conference coming up in September. Check it out. We'd love to see you there. All right, yesterday on the program, Tony discussed the retail giant Target, uh, which, by the way, now has introduced what we will delicately try to refer to as underwear and chest binders for individuals who are seeking to conceal their biological sex. But however you want to describe it, they are now facing a backlash from customers. As a result, Target is now saying that they will remove some of those items from the store. They'll put some other stores, will put some stuff in a different location within the store. Uh, but they are still featuring clothing from a London-based company that designs and sells occult and satanic-themed LGBTQ plus clothing, and accessories. So they literally have partnered with a Satanist and a Satanist organization in some of their merchandise. Is corporate America ever going to wake up? Well, joining me now to dissect all of this is Walker Wildman. He's the vice president of operations and public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Walker, welcome to Washington Watch. Hey, Jody. Good to be with you today on the program. Well, it's great to see you again, and hope all is well with you. Thank you for joining us. All right, let's uh, let's get into this. Longtime followers of Washington Watch, uh, some of them at least will certainly recall that you and other members of AFA's leadership literally met with Target corporate management back in, I think it was 2017, after Mm -hmm. a very successful boycott of the chain that uh, AFA actually led. And according to news reports, you know, it seems they're, they may be remorseful over some of this transgender changing room policy and all this sort of stuff. But what has changed between then and now, in your opinion? Well, you know, we had the the, the boycott, which got over 1.5 million signatures and, and caused their stock value to drop 
uh, to the tune of billions. So it was a very large boycott, one of the most fastest growing boycotts. So I would say it was very successful as far as getting their attention. I actually met with corporate, uh, with, with target executives on multiple occasions. My dad and I did. Uh, we hand-delivered the petitions on a dolly. Um, but they were just not very engaging when we met with them. Um, kind of going through the motions, didn't seem to really grasp what's going on. Um, so that took took a hit. Uh, that that, that uh, target took a hit then, and then they they've really struggled since then um, to regain their image, if you will, in a positive light. Uh, but now with what they're doing, and and they really do this every June. Um, I think it's just that uh, more people are becoming aware of it. I mean, Target's been one of the worst offenders on this uh, LGBT garbage uh, over recent uh, years and decades. But people are becoming more aware of it, and parents are going, you know what, I'm not for this, and I don't want my kids to be exposed to this. Uh, so now it's really getting Target's attention, and parents are very upset. Yeah, you know, it's amazing to me how how many of these corporate uh, <clears throat> huge companies, they are so out of touch with people. Uh, we've seen it with Bud Light. We've seen it with other companies, and now target uh, and as you've said that they've been marching down this path for a long time uh and look they're they're trying to at least give the appearance i'm not convinced that they are but giving the appearance that they're making some changes moving some uh merchandise out of the stores this that, and the other and of course we don't want violence but how should concerned americans push back against yeah. these woke companies when they do things like this well, you know what, Jody, we've got to um, come to the realization that maybe we shouldn't shop everywhere. And I think people are starting to grasp this. But, you know, some some conservatives and Christians push back on boycotts and they say, oh, boycotts don't work. And and I'm not in favor of a boycott. But the example that I pull is if the same burger joint messes up your burger five times in a row, are you going to go back to that burger joint? No, you're going to go down the street. So if we can if we can boycott because they can't get our order right, should we not boycott on larger issues that are of moral significance? Uh, so that's Great my point. my case. That's my case that boycotts are actually usable and uh, and effective in in certain degrees. Um, but but Target is is doing this in your face. They're trying to appease the human rights campaign and others. Um, they've been doing this for years now. Um, but we've just got to stop shopping at these places. And you can't boycott everywhere. You can't boycott everything. But we can make decisions, you know, if there's if there's multiple other retailers that aren't doing this garbage and we can drive a half mile down the road and give them our money, you know, why not do it? So I think that's what we got to do more of and keep pushing back, you know, as vocal as we can be so that so that eventually uh, they're going to have to choose a side. And I think to your point, that's what's happening here. Bud Light. Um, Target, they're having to choose a side because you can't please both parties. Uh, Bud Light's getting blowback from the left, even though they started this promoting left-wing ideology. So um, the left is very intolerant. They want full sellouts or full people sold into their agenda. And uh, and these companies are going to have to remain neutral or pick a side because you can't do it all. Well, that's a great point. And at the end of the day, it's the bottom line that gets the attention of so many of these different companies. But, you know, look, uh, you, you, what you said, I am joining that. I, I choose where I am going to shop. <clears throat> and this is one now I've made this decision. In fact, we made this some time back. 
when it comes to Target. But now they are not just seeking to promote gender dysphoria. And, I mean, we're not talking openly satanic apparel. What what mm-hmm. does it say about the state of our culture and our society when when we are watching big corporations embrace things like transgenderism and Satanism within their own corporations to present that to the public. What what are we what is the message that they are communicating? Well it really shows a message, it sends a message that they're more concerned about about pushing ideological agendas than they are providing customer service and products and goods and services. Um, because if you're, if, look, if you're solely focused on the primary purpose of your business, and in this case is providing, you know, clothing and apparel and kitchenware and, and other stuff, if that's your your core purpose, your core duty, then then when this satanic club comes to you and is like, hey, we want our stuff in your store, you tell them, no, we're not putting your garbage in our store. We're not putting this transgender junk in our store. We're going to focus on providing, uh, you know, goods and services that make 99% of our customers happy. We're not getting in, we're not getting into the woke ideology and pushing agendas onto our customers. Uh, so that's really what we need is we need corporations and corporate boardrooms to say, look, what was this company created for? If it's Home Depot, we're here to sell hammers and drills and building materials. We're not here to push ideologies. If you're you know, if you're if you're Kroger, we're here to sell groceries and have a nice pharmacy. We're not here to push garbage onto our consumers. Uh, so these boardrooms really got to grow some backbone and get out of this ideological business. Yeah, I totally agree. There's no way they can please everyone, and it's uh, uh, it's it's repulsive to for this type of ideology to be taking over. Real quickly, in just a, a minute or so that we have left, uh, do you think these CEOs are ever going to learn uh, that what they are doing is harming their own profits and their own businesses? Do you sense uh, after Bud Light and after, I mean, there's been so many examples now, do you sense that we're going to see a change in some of these corporate positions? You know, I I think for the most part, a lot of these corporations have factored in the backlash. I mean, they they pay way too much money for these marketing executives and these, these analytics that show you know what the consumer wants. So I, I think, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to underestimate these people. I think they're they're pretty sophisticated in how they plan things out. Um, but at the end of the day, the dollar speaks. And Disney's lost billions over the last few months. Disney's just had a PR disaster. Seems like never ending for the past 12 months. So uh, to to your point, I think I think companies that are interested in the bottom line, that are interested in sustaining their brand will eventually have to to come to the realization that this left-wing stuff is a bad idea. Uh, some companies will stick to it because they're ideologues, and that's all they care about is ideology. Other corporations will shift, and they'll decide that they're going to focus on their core mission. And that's what we need is more companies focused on their core mission uh, to provide goods and services and stay out of the culture war. Absolutely. Walker Wildman, uh, American Family Association, thank you for all you and AFA do. Appreciate you joining us on Washington Watch. Thanks, Jody. You bet. All right, friends, before we close the program, I want to bring an update from the World Health Organization. And uh, Jim Roguski, he's a member of the Law and Activism Committee at the World Council for Health, 
uh, is joining me now. And uh, we've, there's so much going on as you've watched the program this week. Tony had Chris, uh, Congressman Chris Smith on yesterday, Congresswoman Michelle Bachman earlier in the week to discuss this. Uh, Jim, I want to thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. We appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you very much for having me. I still uh, recall very fondly a conversation that I had with uh, Congresswoman uh, Bachman more than a year ago um, when she first found out about this after I had reported on it. Um, she had me on the phone for three hours. She wanted to know every last detail possible, and she's still out there fighting the good fight reporting from uh, Geneva. Um, the news that I have is they have released or I've obtained a new revised version of what they refer to as their CA plus, but most people call it the pandemic treaty. Okay, so you have a copy of it. What's uh, uh, what kind of horrifying <laughs> information can you share with us? Uh, what's, well, what are the things that we need to be alarmed of? They've they've made it worse. And um, they've had many versions. They had an initial version and then a conceptual zero draft and a zero draft. And now they have what they call a um, bureau's text. Now, um, I, I see some good news in here. There's some bad news as well. The good news is that they were hoping to present a first draft at this um, meeting, the World Health Assembly this year, and I feel that they've absolutely failed miserably. They um, put a call out back in April, and a bunch of nations, you know, put in more suggestions. So the the proposed treaty has expanded a bit, and what they've added in in the various sections, instead of it seeming like it's all uniform, they said, well, you know, it's it's almost like a poo-poo platter. In Article 7, you can choose from option A, B, or C, and in many of those, the option C is none of the above. And, and so I think it indicates that the WHO, in many ways, has sown the seeds of its own destruction. All of the individual nations are basically, gimme, 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 you know, we want this, but another nation wants the opposite, and so they've relented. And they've said, well, you know, somebody wants option A, somebody wants option B, maybe somebody doesn't want any of the above. Now, one of the negative things that they did is there had been something in there that um, said, well, if nations uh, have paid for um, research and development, you know, they should recoup the gains from that and not give all the money away to corporate, you know, interests. And that got washed aside. And so one of the other things that they did is they shuffled all of the numbers of the articles. And so now everything looks different. They put everybody through this headache of trying to figure out what's going on. But here's what I really think is going on. That's a distraction from the amendments to the international health regulations, which are a, a second path that they're going through. They're trying to amend existing regulations, and that has been under lock and key since September. They proposed all of this way back on September 30th. They revealed it in middle of December, and no updated edition, to my knowledge, has ever been presented. And so, you know, the media is really good at distracting you with what they want you to pay attention to, you have to look and see what they're not talking about. And the main thing that nobody's talking about is they actually did adopt amendments last year 
that we still have six months that we can reject them, but not a single member of Congress had said a word about the fact that amendments happened last year. Well, and, and partly because it, it is such a secretive thing. And one of the issues that I hear about of greatest concern to everyone is the loss of, of U.S. sovereignty over all of that. We're talking a treaty here. We're not talking a resolution. We're not. This is a, a treaty that carries enormous uh, surrender of our sovereignty. Isn't that correct? And you use the correct word. Um, this is being pushed by the Biden administration. It's it's not necessarily an attack upon the nations. The United States is giving up sovereignty. I mean, they're proposing right. the amendments. They're proposing the, the treaty. They, they, quite frankly, started this process back in January of 2022. And, and so, you know, my work has been to research and dig into what, you know, they're doing. They try to hide it. You know, it's, it's a little bit of intrigue to find their documents and expose them. But I encourage everybody to take action because, you know, I'm optimistic that we can reveal what they are doing by shedding light on it. And okay, Jim, let me let me go. Let me go down to this. We've got less than a minute. I've got about uh, 30, 35 seconds. Can this be stopped? How can it be stopped? They're not going to vote on it this year. We have a year, and they only have eight months till January. They have to do the amendments till then. I encourage everybody to go to exitthewho.com. The ultimate answer is when you're dealing with an organization that's trying to take over the world, you can try to negotiate for better terms, or you can just head for the door and leave. So exitthewho.com is where information is about how we do that. Exitthewho.com. Jim Rogowski, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch this evening. We appreciate you bringing us the latest as what's happening in Geneva. Thank you for having me. You bet. All right, friends, that wraps up this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. Stay firm. Keep standing. We're going to win. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.